Podcast, the thoughtful book club podcast featuring two friends. That's a good title, right, Amanda? I think that's... I like it. Those are our credentials. <laughs> We're credentialed friends featuring two <laughs> buddies, you know, just hanging. Anyway, yeah. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Hello. We are back. We are back here for a noble cause, one of our noblest on the podcast, and that is to recommend a book. If you're listening to this podcast episode, firstly, thank you. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at The Lightly Literary Podcast, all one word. We have social feeds up there that are active, so please come and join us. Tell your friends and family. Also, rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Now, with that out of the way, what we're here to do today is recommend a work of literature to you. The whole entire format of our podcast right now is... In the first episode, in this one, we are going to recommend that you read something and join us on the next two weeks for a literary adventure. This week, we're going to be recommending Different Seasons, which is a collection of novellas by Stephen King. So we'll get to that recommendation in a second. That's what we're here to do today. We are basically trying to persuade you. Amanda, do you feel persuasive? I always do. You got all your rhetorical faculties about you? Yes. <laughs> Have you been watching political speeches to prepare? Or what kind? Are you more of like a preacher vibe? Or what's the... No. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Did you watch that poet, the young poet laureate at the inauguration? I did not. Unfortunately, okay. Okay. the inauguration takes place like during the day, and during the day is not yeah, we, my yeah, own you're time. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got things to do. I understand. <laughs> well, let's dive into the recommendation then. I'm going to give the listeners just a bit of a setup here. As I stated again, we're here to persuade you to read with us. So let's talk about the book. Amanda gave me a prompt for this one. And the prompt was to pick an author I was embarrassed to have never read. So not just one that I hadn't seen, but embarrassment. I chose Stephen King. And the reason I chose that is because he is maybe the most dominant force in American storytelling of the last, I don't know, 30 years. And that includes, I'm including in that the adaptations. It seems like he's written a million books, but also they've mostly been adapted into movies, films, some successful, some total failures. I will say, you know, it's like I've seen The Dark Tower with Idris Elba. That movie is a failure. And so anyway, <laughs> but still just like such a dominant force. I'd never encountered him. I have an aversion to horror things, and I know that that's his big reputation. But I figured it was time to get over that, and so I chose a book of novellas. There are four in this book. We actually only cover two in the pod because it's I think it's like five or six hundred pages, so I just figured we'd cut this in half, do two of the stories, and not dive into them all. And so I'm going to briefly read from the cover of this just to give you a sense of what this book is. Their description reads as follows. From one of the greatest short story writers of all time, eh, I'm going to editorialize and say, Maybe, maybe not, <laughs> but a spellbinding collection of four novella novellas bound together by the changing of seasons, each taking on the theme of a journey with strikingly different tones and characters. And that's how the publisher put it. I think it's a fairly accurate description of the book, Amanda. You agree? I do. Different tones, different characters for sure. Different tones, eh, you know, we'll get into that. And so with that formal formality out of the way, Amanda, shall we start the recommendation? Let's do it. Let's commence the persuasion. A phrase that feels weird to say. I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's commence it anyway. We're going to begin with our first segment. We, we always begin this in the recommendations. We begin with this. And that is a simile. We are going to compare the reading of this to something else. Amanda, could you tell me what reading this book was like? Sure. Um, reading this is like riding a roller coaster. There's lots of 
ups and downs emotionally. There's some excitement, there's some happiness, and then comes the horror and the fear and the negative yeah. energy. <laughs> for sure. And that is essential. That's essential king. You got to know that going in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you find that the roller coaster spent more time in one mode than another? No, I think that um, it was pretty even kill for me, especially uh, with the the second one that we did, which is the body starts off yeah, with a lot yeah. of excitement and happiness and then the horror and the fear. And then even in the first one that we read, the, the breathing method, breathing, it starts yeah. off with like, like there's a, a nefarious undertone, right? Just like a roller coaster. Like you, you know that you're going to get scared, but um, it starts off with that excitement and the happiness of like, Oh, this is actually like quite pleasant and what beautiful imagery and stuff. Yeah, it's well said. I agree. It's not just corkscrews of terror. That's yeah. going to be my metaphor. I'm going to jump into yours, your, or your simile, rather. But nice. yes, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's not just one. It's not one note. That is for sure. Yeah. I thought that reading this, and this is specific to me, I didn't, I'm going to say, Amanda, you went full on cliche and you explained it beautifully, but like a roller coaster, you, <laughs> like you, you took a cliche thing, you made it your own. It's beautiful. I'm going to take something that is so hyper-specific to me. If our listeners turn this off, then I respect that. I, I just do. I think that reading this is like the appetizer sampler platter at literally any chain Americana restaurant like Applebee's or whatnot for TGI Fridays. It is incredible at being what it is. The appetizer sampler, in my mind, is one of the truly sublime eating experiences, but I know what I'm getting going into it. I know it's all going to be fried food, so... Mm-hmm. And and it's and after a while, the, because everything's dipped in ranch, it all tastes like ranch, you know? It's just like, <laughs> you kind of, you just know the experts, like, the, are the buffalo wings really that different from the chicken finger, really that different from the potato, the fry, the whatever? Mm-hmm. There's probably, like, a chip or dip in there. I, at some point, it's just fried whatever, cheesy whatever. But I think as long as you know yourself and your expectations, then, I, like, when I get an appetizer sampler, it's not like I'm eating these every weekend. I lean into it. I don't feel shame. It's like, that's what I love at a chain <laughs> restaurant like that. You know, I'm not going to go to the Michelin star place and order this. But if I know why I'm there and I know what it's about, I, I feel like that's a shame-free experience for me. I truly enjoy it. I unironically would order that. And I think King kind of hits that note, too. Yeah. I like it. I don't... It may be healthier for you than an appetizer sampler, just FYI. <laughs> I think like even in terms of literary metaphor or simile, it's like healthier than that, but that's how I felt reading this. I would say that um, King has a reputation for horror specifically, um, and I think that people are often surprised when they first read King to see actually some of the literary elements of his writing. So it would be like going back to the appetizer sampler. It's like you would have all the fried stuff, but then you have that one piece maybe that's like really refreshing and like surprisingly good. That's like thrown in there. Mm. Yeah, I could see. Okay. I could see that. It's like when you get the, I don't know, I was going to say like guacamole on the side of that or Mm -hmm. trying to think of what other, like a spinach artichoke dip or something. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit of it. Just shake it up. It's like yeah. how many onion rings and fries can you eat, really? And again, it all <laughs> tastes like ranch in the end. <laughs> With those extremely vivid and provocative similes out of the way, <laughs> let's let's move to – at least we didn't do the food before the roller coaster because we know how that goes. Just as a, <laughs> yeah, to continue that's true. That, to but cry, now i <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I know what I'm doing after this. What is it, 11 o'clock at night? 
that's a little production behind the scenes for you, <laughs> just uh, listeners. Pouring ranch in my mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's French fries and ranch for me at eleven thirty-five. All right, and that, I'm just, that's an estimation. Anyway. Now we are going to move to a more coherent part of the podcast. Uh, let's recommend something, Amanda, via a scripted pitch. So after the similes, we do like to now give you, the listener, a scripted pitch. We each wrote something out. We did think about this and plan it in advance and wrote some some thoughts and persuasive things to try and convince you to read along with us. Amanda, as always, I'll put the pressure on you first. Please give sure. us your scripted pitch for this. Uh, yes. Stephen King is mostly known as a horror and supernatural writer. Um, especially with his novels and the adaptations of his novels. He does terrifying very well. After reading the novel Desperation, I didn't sleep for at least two nights because I was terrified. Um, mm. But what you may not realize is that Stephen King is also just a great writer, period. If you're not that into super scary, gore-tastic stories, totally get it because I'm not either. Different Seasons is a really good try for an introductory Stephen King because it is lightly horror, not gore-tastic horror that you expect from King. But there are elements of horror, but it is completely engrossing despite your reluctance for horror, right? It's really great. Um, Yes, there is a little bit of horror, but really these stories are about the resiliency and strength of people. And the messages are actually all of hope set against grim circumstances. And there are some really beautifully written descriptions and observations um, that he includes in his writing. The plots are interesting and well-paced. All of them have become films or are currently in production in in this collection specifically. Right, right. Um, The characters are well-developed. They're all endearing. And these novellas are just a pleasure to read especially if you're afraid to try Stephen King this I think is just a wonderful introduction to him it's a it's a great pitch Amanda one follow-up question are the Mm -hmm. parents in the body endearing no but I don't even see them as like main characters I see them (laughs) as like almost almost like sources of conflict (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's well said yeah no completely agree they're 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 hardly humans frankly (laughs) (laughs) they are monsters (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah, they're they're at least humans that are incredible duress and do not handle it well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I would like to say too that um, I've actually read I I've started reading Apt Pupil, which is the story before the body, and I'm about mm-hmm. halfway through that story, and um also really engrossing with some interesting characters, not endearing, these ones. Oh, okay. Um, fantastic. But also about the same themes that we've encountered in the other two novellas. So, and I've read Shawshank Redemption years ago. Okay. Um, So yeah, very consistent themes, great character work. Yeah. All beautiful imagery. Don't read into anything that we only chose two of the four. I chose one that I knew was a movie and the other one randomly. So anyway, yeah, it's no comment on quality. I quite literally just cut the book in half. So Yeah. yeah, completely. All right. My scripted pitch for reading this. Stephen King does not toe the line. It's essential that you understand this. So partially, I think his reputation is earned. I think that he willingly and gleefully at times steps over the line. And I think perhaps even into camp. Yes, I think some of his elements are campy. And perhaps it's outrageously macabre. At least one moment in one of these stories is, but I won't spoil it. 
I think, though, that it's in the line stepping that he finds his voice and probably why he's so beloved by people. That's where the recommendation then I think has to begin for me. It's uh-huh. He's a writer who does not turn away from violence or tragedy or death, even in terms of plot, even if his plot becomes a touch ridiculous in moments or ludicrous at times. Again, I'm thinking of one moment in particular. Won't spoil it. I think then, so the most disappointing thing I could say about King, having now experienced only a brief little snippet of him, is one that puts aside or dismisses his outright literary aspirations or components of his work, which he also, I think, kind of downplays that stuff. But they're here. He, if it, Whether he wants them to be or not, they're here. He, there's class commentary. There's psycholo- psychology in here, a lot of psychological friendship elements in here. There's, like, the simple joy of a tale well told or a yarn well spun. I don't think he lacks ambition at all in terms of thoughtful observation or just, like, literary elements Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of this silly quote from the pirates of the caribbean movies which i don't know if you remember those but there's a time when one of the captains who at that point i think is a ghost or a skeleton man or something says to a character you'd better start believing in ghost stories you're in one and i think i would say that to stephen king if i ever met him like you better start believing that you're a literary you have literary merit because you have them i don't you you might not (laughs) desire that but you have them so sorry i guess (laughs) or you know congrats um so i think what these two two stories have shown me, uh, there were moments when I thought, yes, this is where the narrative will end. Like, oh, he's achieved it. This is a kind of a poignant moment. There's a kind of a clip. There's an ending that felt abrupt. And then he just kept it going. Like in both stories, I definitively knew in my brain, oh, this is where it would end if a person was like, I want it to be provocative and have a nice tidy ending and just like be, be leave them thinking. But he keeps going. And so I think that's the joy. He doesn't stop. He, he's, there's there's going to be a follow-up paragraph that it continues a description or continues the story. So I think yeah. if you're into that and you want to read an author who doesn't stop, when you perhaps think maybe the, the more reserved story would, then you should read Stephen King. Yeah, I think that's great. And that's the pitch, I think. Any thoughts, Amanda, before we move on to quotes? I love it. I, I love that you point out that he's uh, he's not afraid to... Uh, get into the uncomfortable to move past what you would expect because yes yeah (laughs) both both did both of them just definitively did and i don't think either were worse for it in the end i agree so and we get into that in the book club so we'll leave it there quotes for clarification we do each like to pull a quote that we think is indicative of the author's style tone storytelling elements whatever we wanted to pull and talk about amanda go ahead first with your quote Uh, My quote comes from the story of the body, and it's from Mm -hmm. page 442. I looked up at the lane of sky visible through the railroad cut and saw that the blue was now bruising toward purple. Seeing that outrider of twilight made me feel sad and calm at the same time. Brave, but not really brave, comfortably lonely. What I really liked about Mm -hmm. that was the the mood is set and and king is a master of mood and he's also a master of imagery you see you can really picture what he is what gordy the narrator is is looking at and talking about and also how he's feeling and how we feel about him and also the contrast um where we have this i feel brave but i'm not really brave i'm sad but i'm i'm calm and I'm just alone, but I'm okay with being alone, which are all things that people struggle with as well. So I just, and, and this is a 12 year old boy. So I just found that really interesting and, and wonderfully yeah. told. The imagery in that story is striking and yeah. really well done, especially 
again, we'll save it for the book club, which we just recorded, but especially <laughs> towards the second half, I think, yeah. towards the end of that story. It, there's yeah. some incredibly poignant images and just ideas at play. For sure, yeah. I chose a quote from a different story, the breathing method from 524. Nice. And this is the quote. I slipped into the library. Johansson was there, reading his Wall Street Journal. In another island of light, Evelyn McCarran sat over a chessboard opposite Peter Andrews. McCarran was, was and is a cadaverous man, possessed of a narrow blade-like nose. Andrews was huge, slope-shouldered, and choleric. A vast ginger-colored beard sprayed over his vest. Face to face over the inlaid board with its carved pieces of ivory and ebony, they looked like Indian totems, eagle and bear. Waterhouse was there, frowning over the day's times. He glanced up, nodded at me without surprise, and disappeared into the paper again. Stevens brought me a scotch, unasked. And I'll just pause it there. It's economical storytelling, there's a yeah. couple elements in there. I mean, you could read those character descriptions, right? They each get their little half sentence. You know, it's pretty evocative. There's, But there's imagery that works. There's the island of lights, a nice kind of beautiful description. It's very, it's very tidy, though. You know, nothing overstays its welcome. I think that kind of efficiency and sort of immersive... But it, it's efficiency that doesn't lack immersion. That's that's what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can grab onto and you can read into. There's the person bringing the drink unasked, which is, a I think, a, an important component of that setting and that style of that place and the kind of feelings it endears or engenders or whatever. And so there's theme in there, too. I just think, I guess I don't always want to pull quotes that are so summary, but I just think that's indicative of, yeah, the compact style, the ways that he can kind of tease out an image in a subtle way, the way he can work in things that end up mattering, you know, thematically, but they don't have to be overbearing. So I think that's why I chose that quote. I love the, um, the islands of light, especially when you moving beyond that into each little group, each area has, it's almost like an Island of somebody doing something different. Right. Yeah. It's really well done, yeah. With a group that only comes together with one real purpose. Otherwise, they're... Anyway, yeah, to say much more would do dive too deep into the story, but it's there are things... Again, it matters. <laughs> there are yeah. ways you can read it and ways it comes up in the story that I think in engender a deeper reading, which is to the story's credit. So there's that. Before we close out this recommendation, hopefully we've been somewhat persuasive so far and not too long-winded uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> let's conclude amanda as we always do go, by going and visiting and diving into reaching a hand in do you want me to keep this going do you have I anything to add metaphorically it, yeah. okay yeah <laughs> Un- unclipping unclasping and finally getting into our literary knapsack this is when each of us is going to give you one piece of advice if you decide to approach this work, we're going to give you one literary element or rhetorical device or just whatever we want to kind of have you watch out for something or just mentally prepare for reading this. This is our attempt to sort of give you a map before you begin your adventure. Amanda, what are you going to give them from the knapsack? Um, I'm going to give frame story. And the reason I chose frame story is um, the very first when you open the book um, and it's a, a line from the breathing method it says it is the tale not he who tells it so it's all about stories Mm -hmm. and so the two that we read the body and the breathing method and also the one that i am currently reading which is apt pupil all involve stories and storytelling and the effects of those stories and storytelling so that being said frame story is a literary technique 
that serves as a companion piece to a story within a story, where an introductory or main narrative sets the stage either for a more emphasized second narrative or for a set of shorter stories. The frame story leads readers from a first story into one or more other stories within it. It may be used to inform readers about aspects of the secondary narrative that may otherwise be hard to understand. The breathing method is definitely a frame story. No questions asked. Yeah. The body is interesting where I think that it does not actually fit what would be called a frame story, even though we start off with current day narrative. Um, Anyway. It fits there what are, I'm about to say. Yeah. <laughs> kind, yeah, of. So, yeah kind of. Um, so it's, uh, that works perfectly. So, But the the emphasis being like the way that these stories are framed, there are other stories within them, which is really interesting. Um, and it all ties back to the, the cover of this, which is that it is about the stories themselves, not the storyteller. So just yeah. tying all of that together, I think it's interesting and and looking at how he plays with how he incorporates stories. Totally. I think it's, yeah, completely. It is, he is an author who seems very concerned with why we would tell stories and how we would tell them. So mm-hmm. it's something essential to understand. I grabbed the other end of that same rope that you did from the, <laughs> from the knapsack, at least kind of, in a way. I chose metafiction, which I will now read the de- um, definition of from the Penguin Literary Dictionary. Metafiction is any work of fiction which seems preoccupied by its own fictionality or the nature of fiction generally. That second part's crucial because these stories don't call themselves stories except for kind of the body does, but they're concerned about fiction generally. That's true. In the same way as a meta language reflects on languages, metafiction is fiction whose subject is fiction. Metafiction obliges its readers to consider, first and foremost, its own artifice. It disrupts the illusion that fiction gives direct access to the real world. So this might seem like an odd inclusion because I actually don't think King writes in that tradition per se. I don't mm-hmm. think he is an author saying, I'm going to write a meta story here, or meta fiction, especially because that second half, right? It's, it's subject is fiction. That is true, but I don't think it acknowledges its own artifice at times. It's more just cares about storytelling. But mm-hmm. so there's no denying that when you read one of his stories, there's going to be elements in it of other people trying to tell you a story and trying to engage in stories. His characters are obsessed with that power and those traditions and those objects. And so even if they don't know they're in one, like the narrator of the body clearly knows he's in one because the, the premise is it's his story he's writing. Um, th- so in the breathing method, that doesn't exactly hold up but there's a frame narrative like you nailed so i think when you go into king just know that that's not an insignificant part of it i think both of them comment on that in ways and i think you know could you breeze through both of these and just think yeah there was that odd thing about there was that digression or there was that part about that thing but whatever it was just a fun yarn and he told it that's i think valid but if you have any at all aspirations to read it uh, you know more deeply, which you don't have to, but if you do, that's something you should know. He's yeah. a writer who's concerned with storytelling in the, and he wants to talk about it in fiction, <laughs> which is complicated. So, <laughs> yep. Did you find his work to be very meta? I actually, again, don't think it fully is, but that was the only term I could pull that felt similar, other than yours. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think so. Although, like when he discusses the in the body, the, the body stories. is meta. 
Yeah. I mean, the fact that yeah. those two things are in there is that's meta to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I get that the I get that the frame isn't, but then the things in the fr- Anyway, yes, it, there's rabbit holes to fall down, <laughs> uh, which we will not do on this recommendation because I think we've put you off enough. Okay, we've done all the recommendations, Amanda. Any final thoughts on f- Different Seasons by Stephen King, which is the name of this collection? Um, just I think that it's a, a great read, and I love Stephen King's like short stories. Actual short stories are wonderful if you want yeah, to get a taste yeah. of that. Um, and his novellas are amazing too. I love his novels, but his novels are also generally speaking more, um, more about the supernatural and more about the, um, like aliens and, and horror pieces, okay, but his novellas yeah. and his short stories tend to be, uh, less about that. I chose this. I have zero regrets and I have it on great authority. In fact, uh, interview level authority of King. I read this. He said this. He writes with no outlines. He writes freely. He writes a story in in order that he find that in which he finds it during the writing. And so what I know his reputation to be is that that makes for his endings of novels to be sometimes awkward or perhaps not totally fulfilling. Uh, but what it does mean is that his short fiction is pretty provocative and interesting. I thought both of these ended quite well and it were yeah. complete didn't leave me wondering or clinging desperate for more or something. And so I think this is maybe the best inroad for King and to just to feel it out and see if you're interested. And these were both just really solid, shorter tales, novellas. Yeah, yeah. completely agree. Okay. If that did not entice you, we completely understand that we're disappointed in ourselves, <laughs> not in you, just in ourselves. Yep. But if it didn't, the next three books, we'll always try and announce the next three books during these recommendations. So as a heads up, the next three books in order that we'll be covering them are one, Kim Ji Young, born 1982 by Cho Namju. How did I do? Not good? Yeah, it was good. Okay, good enough. Um, I was asking Amanda for the pronunciation because she knows some Korean, so that's why. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that is a feminist novel translated from Korean. That's what's going to be coming up next. The next one after that is going to be a updated, kind of translated and rewritten version of Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. That's what it's called. It's called Norse mythology, and that's by famed English writer Neil Gaiman. And then the novel after that is going to be called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which Amanda chose. I say all those titles just to keep you abreast of what we're picking here, and hopefully one of those titles sounds enticing. Feel free to go search them and look them up. We're not going to describe them anymore today. Feel free to come back or, you know, please come back and revisit us for those book recommendations, which will be up in the coming weeks. Amanda, any final thoughts? Nope, I'm good. I will say one more thing. This is totally transgressive, and I know I'm about to break our 30-minute limit. I thought the (laughs) cover art on this book is awful. Just awful. This is from the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it looks terrible. It yeah. looks like a an under not even an. It looks like a high schooler made this in Photoshop, <laughs> in like twenty minutes too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's terrible. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. I just, I was looking at it and you said something earlier during this wreck and I wanted to jump in and say that but I, I held it until the end. So sorry. <laughs> and I just felt like I had to say that somewhere. It's like the worst book cover I've maybe ever seen. It's almost hilarious. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Not great. Um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just some commentary. I apologize. The recommendation's over, so hopefully you're persuaded. Definitely don't judge this by its cover. My God. If nothing else, <laughs> do not do that. I get it. I want books to look nice on the shelf, too, and it, you know they're, they're aesthetic collector items, whatever. But this is worth it just for the words. 
Ah, at any rate, okay. As always, um, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, or not Twitter, we're not on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We have a group up. We post regularly. I do some art and post to promote the books. Both of those accounts are just at the Lightly Literary Podcast, all one word. Rate and review us. Tell your friends about us if they can possibly hang with our offbeat color commentary. And until next time, we will see you between the pages. 